0: So how's everybody doing? Great time of worship. Always appreciate our worship teams. Thank you. John went to visit his father in Saskatchewan, very, very rural areas, Saskatchewan, and when he arrived, it was uh, early evening, and they kind of just talked the night through, and then the morning came, and when John came downstairs, he could smell the breakfast that his grandfather was uh, cooking: eggs, bacon, toast doesn 't get any better than that as far as i 'm concerned. And when the grandfather handed John though his plate, he noticed that there was kind of a film on the plate, you know, and he, he said, "Grandfather, you know, is, is this plate clean? Are these plates clean?" And, and the grandfather replied. They're as clean as cold water, can get them sunny, just eat your breakfast, everything's going to be fine. Well, he ate his breakfast and whatnot, and then lunch came, and the father served him, or the grandfather served him hamburgers. And you know, when he got his plate, he kind of noticed around the edges there were dried specks of eggs. And and uh, he asked his grandfather, grandfather, are you sure that these plates are actually clean? And the grandfather said, I told you this morning, sonny, they're as clean as cold water can get. Them just eat your lunch and just don't pay attention to anything else. And So he ate his lunch, and later that afternoon, John wanted to leave the house and go into town and get some supplies and whatnot, and uh, the grandfather had a dog, and the dog began growling and barking and wouldn't let him pass, and so, you know, John yelled out to his grandfather, he said, grandfather, your, your dog, he's keeping me from getting out the front door, and the grandfather didn't divert his attention, he was watching a football game, and he suddenly yells out, cold water, lay down, do you hear me? Skip, can you put a picture of cold water up? There's cold water. Little, little disturbing, don't you think there? Well, now that I got your attention, we get down to business, and we're going to continue our study this morning in the book of Ephesians, and I've entitled the message, Life in the Spirit, Life in the Spirit. Father, I just thank you for humor. I love humor. But now it's time to get serious and just to look at your word. And so I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you are welcome here, more than welcome here. I ask that you would manifest yourself in a very powerful way. I know I need to be filled afresh, so I just ask that you would fill me. I pray right now There's to be praying, Lord, fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit, because I don't want to miss anything that you have. I don't want to miss anything that you have. So I cry out that you would give us the faith to release control of our lives and to begin to really rely and learn what it means to walk and trust the Holy Spirit. So I'm just thanking you, Holy Spirit, that you are going to exalt Jesus now. And as people look to Jesus, tremendous freedom can be found. So there may be great faith in the house, great faith in the house this morning to believe that Jesus can set me free so I just thank you for what you're going to be doing now in the next several minutes, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. i ask you again, do you believe that? You know, over the last several months, I've gone over four truths. So I just want to, kind of as a quick review, go over what those four truths are, all right? The truth, number one, is the Christian life is not difficult, it is why? All right. guess I get a big fat F on that one, right? And that's not for fantastic either. The Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible. It is a supernatural life. Truth number two that we looked at is that if you are going to change your behavior, what must change if you're going to change your behavior? That's right, your thinking's got to change. My thinking's got to change. One well-known author said it like this. When you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. When you change your beliefs, you change your expectations. When you change your expectations, you change your attitude. When you change your attitude, you change your behavior. When you change your behavior, you change your performance. And when you change your performance, you change your life. And you see, the whole chain, though, starts with my thinking and your thinking changing. Our thinking has got to change if our behavior is going to change and our relationships are going to get to where we want them to get to. This leads to the third very important truth. You cannot change your thinking. I cannot change my thinking on my own. And you say, well, why is that? 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. Remember, I just want to highlight these again. We are human, Paul says, but we don't wage war as humans do. I wish we understand that. You are not going to change this country waging war against what is happening using human methods. You've got to use spiritual methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You see, the problem that all of us have is we have strongholds in our heads. These strongholds are thought patterns that we have. And these thought patterns cause us to behave in a way that we know is contrary to the will of God. I mean, I have people who know that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They know that it's wrong, but they have these strongholds in their head and they just keep on doing what they do not want to do. You see, we are unable on our own to change our thinking patterns. This leads to the fourth truth. Only God Only God can change your thinking patterns. Only God can change my thinking patterns. We see this in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Skip, put up those powerful verses. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. In other words, surrender yourself to God. Why? Because if you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, you couldn't help but do that. Let them be a holy and living sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Now watch this. When I really come to Christ and surrender my life, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he transform you into a new person, me a new person? By the way that I think, by the way that you think. So this leads us to Ephesians chapter 5, which is what we've been looking at, and verse 18. And it says this, do not be drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with wine, but instead be controlled, be filled by the Holy Spirit. You see, you've got two choices in life. You can either be controlled by worldliness, fleshliness. That's what a picture of drunkenness is, by the way. When I drink a lot of wine, I get controlled by the alcohol. That's worldliness. That's fleshliness. That's where most people are. And so they're therefore controlled by the strongholds of lust. You ever have a problem with lust? Envy? Greed? Bitterness? Anger? Pride? Depression, all of these things come from the strongholds in our mind, the fleshly, the fleshly nature creates these fleshly strongholds that are destroying us and destroying our relationships. On the other hand, I can be filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen to me? Then the Holy Spirit is going to be controlling me and my mind is going to be having thoughts of what? Love. How do I love this person? It's gonna give me thoughts of joy. I'm gonna have joy. I'm gonna have a thoughts of thankfulness instead. It's gonna give me peace. It's gonna give me thoughts of peace instead of anxiety. Anybody have anxious trouble here? I hear a lot of people worrying, anxious. That's all coming, okay, from the old nature. Then it's controlling your mind, giving you those thoughts. But see, if you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have thoughts of joy. Then you're going to have thoughts of patience. And we can go on down the line, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. See, which do you want? Which do you want? It depends on what you're controlled by. What you are controlled by will determine what you're thinking in your head. That's how important it is. Now, you've got to get the other message. I don't have time to go back all through that right now. But if you've missed the previous messages, we're very thankful for Ron. He's put them on podcasts. You can get those. I really suggest you go over and over those, but we need to move on. So here's my question for you this morning. Since the Holy Spirit is so critical to living victoriously in our relationships, how do you know? How do you know if you're really filled? How do you know if you're controlled by the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's nothing worse, you know, than living in deception and thinking that you're controlled by the Holy Spirit when you're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. The way you're going to know, by the way, is truth. This is truth. This is the Bible. This is like Middle C. This is like the North Star. This is the absolute. You know, it's interesting, we got the Jesus Soda survey going again. And, you know, one of the things that just becomes crystal clear as you're witnessing to people and you're, you're talking to the people out there is we live in an age of relativity. Well, they go, that's nice that, you know, that's your truth. But I have my own truth. And they're acting like our truths are equal. You know, truth is relative. And, and the end result is you have a lot of confusion. I told you, remember, that this country is under judgment. Remember I talked about a year ago, Romans 1, and God turned them over, and God turned them over. One of the things he turns over is our minds. That's really what he turns over, and we become confused. You see, the, I mean, it's scaring me, the rapidity, the decline of this country and its thinking. We now have, and I'm not political, but you got to say, we're losing it when the President of the United States tells us in our high schools and our middle schools that we, you know, we, have, we can have boys in, 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 in girls' bathrooms and, and vice versa. You know, it's like me saying all of a sudden, you know what? I've decided that I'm a girl what are you laughing at? Uh, In my, hey, in my heart, in my truth, I'm a girl. I'm no longer Frank, you call me Francine now. See, that's how crazy, no, that's how crazy it is. We laugh, but I'm going to tell you something, truth matters. Truth matters a lot. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth. No, no. You shall know it. You begin to live it out by faith, and then you're going to live in freedom. Then you're going to live in freedom. So if you really want to be free, you don't want strongholds controlling you, it starts here with your thinking. Your thinking must be filled with truth. You must be filled. You should be so filled with truth. I should be so filled with truth that when someone cuts me, I should bleed bibline." and so should you. All right, so we're at Ephesians 5.18, and, and Paul says that we should be filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit. In other words, truth should be controlling our minds. And the apostle Paul's now going to tell us. He's going to give us three evidences this morning. That's what we're going to do. Three evidences for being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 5, verse 19 gives us the first evidence. Skip, can you put that up? He says, if I am really filled and being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then I'll be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So, how do you know if you're really Spirit-controlled? One of the ways is, is that you move in truth. That's the short answer. See, psalms, by the way, was another way of saying the Old Testament, the New Testament hadn't been written yet when Paul wrote Ephesians. It was being written. So that's another way of saying the Bible, Psalms. Hymns and songs is another way of saying putting truth to music. By the way, it's a great way to memorize scripture is through music. All right? So he's saying, so what, what, do, what, what do two spirit-filled believers talk about when they get together? Do they talk about, what about them Yankees? What about them Boston Red Sox? That's pretty encouraging, huh? Is that what they talk about? No. It says that they talk about truth. They talk about God. They talk about the things of God. They talk about how God is moving in this world, how God is moving in your life. And I know some of you are thinking, wow, I knew that guy was wacko. That that, that is over the top, Pastor. That is fanatical. If you think that, you know, I'm constantly going to be thinking about truth and God, the things of God. Come on. Life's bigger than that. Right, you know, I was thinking about that because I knew people would. I know you're. I know people are thinking that they won't say it to me because I'm six two, two fifty, and so, and old and ugly. Right. All right. So, but you know, I found interesting. You know what God expected of the Israelites? And by the way, these guys didn't even have the Holy Spirit. But here's what God expected of the Israelites: Deuteronomy chapter six. Skip. Can you put that up? Deuteronomy and chapter six. Fabulous, interesting chapter. It says this Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Do you get the idea? You're supposed, God expects us to be thinking about Him 24-7. That's normal, by the way, that's normal Christianity. Not fanatical Christianity. I just want you to understand, that's normal Christianity. I ought to be thinking about truth, and I ought to be wanting to be around believers that are thinking about truth. And you know, I really don't know how to say this without being offensive, but the reality is, if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to talk about substantive things. No, we're going to talk about things that last. We're going to talk about eternal things. We're not going to talk about, you know, I I don't know what what happened on some reality show, TMZ. I I don't know what it is. You know, we're we're not going to be doing that. We're going to be talking about things that are real and substantive. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. He said, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since you're born again, set your sights on the realities of earth, of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this. In other words, this, this I've been crucified to this life. And your real life now is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, the whole world will share in all his glory. Do you see? I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. I think it speaks for itself. All right. Let's move to the second evidence, if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit. And we find that in the second half of verse 19, it says this. 519, Skip, could you put that up? Then he says, if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll be singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. You know, as I thought about that, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? You know what that speaks of? Joy. Joy. There's no way that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and your face looks like it's been sucking on lemons all morning. No, it's not possible. Do not tell me, okay? Just don't tell me that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and it looks like you've been sucking on lemons. I mean, that just doesn't work. In fact, it says, you know, if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, I got a song in my heart. I got a song in my heart. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? 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 I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. Now watch this. And I'm so happy happy. because all my circumstances are going my way. (laughs) That doesn't know how the song goes. No, I'm so happy, I'm so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. When I have Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit, then I have joy, then I have joy. You know, people ought to like being around us, because we have joy, we have hope. Let me ask you a question. What kind of people do you like to be around? you like to be around Eeyores? you like to be around those people? You know what happens when an Eeyore comes walking in the room? Just sucks the life out of everything, right? Just begins whining and complaining and, and belly aching. I, I I mean, just sucks the life. They're, they're drainers. They're drainers, right? Who wants to be around a drainer? Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. I hope you know that. And uh, Lincoln actually had a position open in his administration. And a reporter asked him why he didn't choose a certain person for that post. And Lincoln said, I didn't like his face. I don't like his face. And the reporter said, what? You, you, you can't keep a person from getting a position because you don't like their face. Who can, you can't be responsible for your face. And you know what Lincoln said? He said, if a man's over 40 years old, he's responsible for his face. If you're over 40 years old, you're responsible for your face. I'm going to say this. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're responsible for your face. You should have a yes face. Skip, can you put that up? You should have a yes face. Have you ever wondered why people like being around Jesus Christ? Well, he did a lot of miracles. Yeah, all right, he did do a lot of miracles. That's not really, I think, the reason why they wanted to be around him. Do you know what's, what's interesting? You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people, the common Jew hated them. You know why? Because they walked around all day with a constipated look. All day long. you know. People think that's somehow spiritual. I, I do not know why we think that's spiritual. Not only that, Not only that, they were very arrogant. They had their noses up in the air, and they were extremely prideful, and they were extremely arrogant. And nobody wanted to be around them. But Jesus, Jesus was full of joy. It says that. He was full of joy. He was warm. He was inviting. But you know, more than that, this is God in the flesh. He was humble. And people wanted to be around him. What about you? Do people seek you out? No, seriously. Do people seek you out? Or do they treat you like you have the bubonic plague? <laughs> Guys, these are just gut checks. These are just gut checks. See, if, if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to have joy, and I'm going you know, I'm, I'm to have a hopefulness, and, and, and people are going to want to be around that. All right, Paul moves on. We've got to move on. Paul gives us a third evidence. This is the last one we're going to look at for today. He gives us a third evidence for if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you put up verse 20? Verse twenty five twenty, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you, this one was convicting to me more probably than any of them because this distinguishes the pretender from the real deal. So many people tell me I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and they're whining, and they're complaining, and they're negative. I mean, they tip their hand. They're not. Do not think that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're whining and complaining. Truly, Holy Spirit-filled people are thankful. Now, I've been honest. I don't wake up well. I do not wake up well. I struggle with depression, blueness. My wife, on the other hand, starts out at four in the morning. I've got that joy, joy, joy. You know what that's like? You just want to squeeze someone's neck, okay? (laughs) But, no, no, see, we laugh at that. But what's my problem? And I've got a lot of them. But what's my problem? See, my thinking's wrong. The reason why I'm feeling, I'm feeling it's because my thinking's wrong. I want you to understand that. So, see, my thinking's got to change. So you know what I do to change my thinking? That's one. I grab this. And I just want to take you through two scriptures. That's all the time we're going to have for this morning. We we could have a lot of fun together. But I just want to take you through two scriptures. Let's, Let's just look at Numbers 11. Anybody doing their devotionals from Numbers chapter 11? Probably not. Okay. Numbers chapter 11 is actually an interesting chapter. Because what you have is the Israelites have just been out of Egypt. They were in slavery. Now, see, we don't really appreciate what that means. But, I mean, they were making mud bricks from mud, straw. And then they would, after they make those bricks, they'd have to haul them. And then they would build whatever they wanted them to build. And guess what? They did that in the hot sun. They did it seven days a week, 24-7. You know, they didn't get any breaks. They couldn't go to the mall do a little shopping. They couldn't go to the ice cream shop and get an ice cream cone. You know, they couldn't go to the movie theater and get some popcorn and eat some bonbons. They, they, they couldn't go to Florida on vacation. Can you imagine day in, day out, you're making mud bricks and you're building buildings. That was their life. And God saw that and he set them free. He set them free from that. So by the time you pick it up in Numbers in chapter 11, the Israelites have actually been tooling around in the Sinai Peninsula, the Sinai Desert, for a year. Do you know what they were supposed to be learning then? Anybody know? For a whole year, they're just traveling around in the Sinai. Anybody know what they were supposed to be learning? Trust that God is enough. Now listen to me. That God is enough. Enough. What did they learn? Skip, can you put it up? Numbers oven. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. Did you catch that? The Lord heard everything they said. Do you think that God hears everything that you say? Everything? But I know what some of you are thinking. You go, well, Lord, you know, you know Frank, I don't complain and bellyache out loud. I just do it in my thoughts. I just do it in my mind so the Lord doesn't know what I'm doing. Newsflash. Lord knows your thoughts. Psalm 3139. Watch this. David writes this psalm. Great psalm, by the way. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. And know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. And when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You do. You know what I am going to say. Even before I say it Lord. you see it? He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're going to say. So when the Lord looks at you. When the Lord looks at me. And he looks at our words and our thoughts. What's he hearing? What's he seeing? Is it thankfulness or are we complaining? Oh, why did you give me this spouse? I can't believe the, the spouse that you gave. Why did you give me this job? You know, why am I living where I'm living? What is he hearing? Is he hearing thankfulness? See, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I want you No, this was convicting to me. Or is he hearing whining and complaining? Now, Now, how do you think the Lord feels about that? Let me, get, let me just show you how he feels about this. Skip, can you put up the last part of Numbers 11? Here's the here's last part of verse 1. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them. He sent a fire to rage among them. He destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Would you say that's a little motivation to change my thinking? Wow. I mean, he, he, you really want to tick God off? Just start whining. Just keep complaining, doing it. No, he really, really hates that. Does not like that. So, that is a, you know, I, I read that, you know, and, I, and I'm reading that. Remember when I'm blue and down and I'm complaining about it in my mind? I don't do it with Susan because she slapped me upside the head. But as I'm sitting there, I am complaining in my head. I read that. It stops me. No, it stops me I'm short. Sure. Oh, Lord, forgive me. No, I, I quickly. By the way, when you sin, repent quickly. It's a smart thing to do. Just repent. Lord, I surrender. Wrong, wrong thinking. Forgive me for that. Now, let me give you the positive. All right, as, as we close out, this will be how we just end our time this morning. Psalm 100, Psalm 100 is a psalm of thanksgiving. It says this, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give give thanks to him and praise his name you know the reality is when i think god i hope when you think god when you think jesus when you think the holy spirit he wants us to be excited that's what he wants us to be really excited he wants us to be full of joy he wants us to have praise and thanksgiving this is how he wants us to be he wants us doing this and you're probably thinking well why should i praise him why should i thank him thank you for asking verse 5 says this. Short psalm, I love this psalm. See, I can handle it The guy, just five verses. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Now, some of you are thinking, you're saying, you know, Pastor, I don't really have anything to be thankful for. My circumstances really aren't going that well. You know, have you you ever talked to someone and asked someone how they're doing? You done that? Just to just nod your head that you're still with me, okay? I've done that. A lot of times, you know what I get the response is? Pastor, I'm doing pretty well under the circumstances. And my response is, what are you doing under there? (laughs) See, that's the wrong place to be. No, that's the wrong place. Our eyes are wrong. If you notice, Psalm 105 says, no, 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 no. You don't go on the circumstances. You place them on the Lord. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, see, we're not a black church. I feel bad about that. But I do. I I, I listen to black preaching. And I heard a black brother preach this psalm. We don't have time this morning. But I'm just going to give you how he preached, verse 5. Can I do that? Can I tell you how he preached verse 5? He said, God is good. God is good. He said, this is a statement of God's character. There is no spot or blemish or flaw in God. Everything he does is good. How can I decide? How can I describe his goodness to you? Not only is God's character is good, his ways are good. His plans are good. His purposes are good. His provision is good. His protection is good. His pardon is good. All I can tell you is that my God is good. And that means that he is good all the time. Can you thank him now? Can you thank him now? But you say. But you say, I can't tell that he is good. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. You just can't sit at the table and watch what is in another person's cup and expect to know how good God is. You have to get in there for yourself. And then the black preacher continued, there is a second reason why we need to praise God. His steadfast love endures forever. Did you hear me? I said his steadfast love endures forever. Hesed is the Hebrew word. It means unfailing love. It means that his love never fails. It is a wonderful, glorious, indefinable word, really. It's best described in Malachi 3.6, where God says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed you see, if God changed his ways, we would all be wiped out. Loyal love, steadfast love means God will not change his mind about you. When you stray away from him and you get out there so far that you think you can never get back, and if you make it back, you think you will, he will never accept you after what you did, I want you to know this morning that if you make a U-turn You will find that God has been waiting. He's been standing there all the time so that He can give you a second chance. You see, my God is a God of second chances. That's how good God is. That's His steadfast love. And you need to know our God is always, always faithful to do this. Can you thank Him now? Can you thank Him now? so here's the challenge it's really a test are you truly spirit filled after listening to this are you truly spirit filled am I really filled with the Holy Spirit is my mind intoxicated with truth with the word is my soul Filled with his joy. Can I honestly say that I exude joy? Are the words coming out of my mouth words of thanksgiving? Words that give life. Are the words that come out of my mouth complaining and whining? And they bring death to those around me. Father. I pray we'll let this word sink in. The only hope for us, the only hope for our relationships, the only hope for this country is that we turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ and become filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. I know there are some here this morning that think, I'm just little old me. Well, God wants you to know this morning you can be a one-man wrecking crew if you become filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll give us the faith to believe that right now. We can become a one-man wrecking crew when we are filled with the Holy Spirit because we have the very power of the universe within us. May you begin to breathe that faith, that truth, that hope within each one of us, I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.